If you guys are really enjoying this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you left me some reviews, maybe some five stars, whether you're listening to this on Audible, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you guys leave this five stars, leave some nice words. Also share it with a friend. You know, I don't charge anything for these podcasts and my goal is just to grow it and help the jiu-jitsu community. So thank you guys for supporting and I'll see you guys later. What is going on, guys? Welcome into another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Secrets Podcast. My name is Chasen Hill, in case you guys are new here. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to tune in and listening to another uh, episode. We have a lot of new listeners here lately, so welcome in and, and welcome to the uh, Jiu-Jitsu Secrets kind of club area here. So in today's episode, what I really want to talk about is this idea of Jiu-Jitsu problem-solving. Um, I think that's kind of a trendy topic right now. You hear people talk about how jiu-jitsu is all about problem solving, and I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it was Joe Rogan who kind of coined the term, you know, jiu-jitsu or MMA fighting is high-level problem solving with dire-level physical consequences. Now, personally, I think that's more appropriate for MMA. You know, jiu-jitsu, we're just kind of rolling around with our friends, but I get the point. Theoretically, if uh, someone was able to get to your back and choke you and not let go, then yeah, that is very dire consequences. But hopefully you guys are not training to that extreme because, you know, you're so hard and everything. So anyway, let's get into this episode where I really want to talk about how we can start like solving our problems more efficiently. And potentially, if you don't do this, I might give you some information or education on why it's so important to solve your problems. Even if you're a brand new student or you're a seasoned student, this is really something that you guys should start to adopt, I think, earlier in your career and keep this as a focal part of your training. Often I see students uh, kind of move away from this as they start to become a little bit more skilled. But if you're a student that is especially feeling like you're um, lacking direction or you're really unsure about if what you're doing in jiu-jitsu is actually correct and you're kind of looking to find a, a way to be a little bit more secure in your jiu-jitsu and really get clear about what you need to be doing, then this is definitely going to be an episode that's going to help you. And if you're not at that point yet in your journey totally fine. You might be able to share this information with somebody or you might come across that one day. Um, it's my true honest experience and kind of opinion that everyone will go through a point in their jujitsu journey where you're going to hit a wall and you're going to be like, man, I just, I don't know what I should be doing. I don't know why I'm picking these techniques. I don't know why I'm focusing on this. And I'm just kind of randomly guessing if that never happens to you, congratulations, but almost every single black belt I've talked to that happens at some point and they all have different ways of kind of getting over it. And these are just kind of my tidbits and, and helpfulness for you guys moving forward. So I'll kind of lay out what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about like what jujitsu problem solving really is. We're also going to talk about, um, uh, like I said, why it's important to solve them. We're also, we'll go over, um, how do we determine which problems that we need to solve first and then we'll go over the different problem types and kind of a way that you guys might be able to prioritize which types of problems you need to be focusing on first. So what are jujitsu problems? Well, they're simply issues that you are having in your jujitsu game. And I know that's such a broad topic. And most people are like, well, duh, Chase, I have jujitsu problems. No, duh, I need to solve them. But I, I think it can, if we kind of over, if we simplify it too much and we say that, 
then that just is like kind of giving you free reign or enabling you to just do whatever you want. And um, ultimately, I mean, it is free. You can you can do whatever you want. But if your goal is to like optimize and maximize and try to get better faster, then you can't have that mindset. You have to kind of narrow down what you're doing. You have to put your attention toward the things that are going to make the biggest payoff. And so we'll talk more about that, about when we talk about which problems to solve first. But your problems are the things that are happening to you in your jujitsu that need improvement or need to be solved. And the biggest, the best evidence I can give you guys for this is like even the first day that you walked in to jujitsu, you were introduced to a problem and then you were also given a solution to that problem. The biggest difference is, is on day one and probably where you're at now is on day one, your professor or your instructor is the one that's introducing you to the problems and also giving you the solution. So if you walked in and you did a basics class or you did a fundamentals class, they probably introduce you to the problem of someone who is holding you down in the mount. Now, there are different problems that could occur in that scenario, right? So you could have somebody who is sitting on top of you punching you. You could have somebody sitting on top of you that's putting you in a headlock. You could have someone sitting on top of you that's cross-facing you or putting their hand in their in your lapel. Those are all different problems to solve and in that mount position. So that would be the concept is like getting out of the mount or defending yourself from the mount. That is a concept, but there are various problems that occur from that mount position. And so in the beginning of your career, you rely on a professor or a coach or an upper belt or somebody to kind of tell you, hey, ding, 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 there's a problem here and here is the solution to it, right? So you're very much kind of more spoon-fed the information. And personally, that's what I think is should be taught from the idea of the fundamentals program or the basics program or when people say learn fundamentals. That's what I think people are saying. Now, the problem I think people get too caught up in is the techniques and the solutions to the problems. Like we argue about that way too much about which one is better, which one is good, which one is bad. But ultimately, if a fundamentals program is worth its salt, I think it should be introducing students to very common problems that they're going to experience right away. And we could debate if that should be self-defense problems because, you know, if someone comes in and wants to learn self-defense, then they should be introduced to the most common problems that are going to happen to them. You know, someone punching them, someone hitting them, someone holding them down in a most common way, not necessarily in a jujitsu grappling way. But if you're a school that likes competition and you're more interested in that, then obviously you want to show the most basic problems that occur in a grappling situation. So that is where the stuff kind of gets debated. But regardless, it should be common problems, I think, in a basics and fundamentals program. So you are kind of introduced to this concept, except no one is really pointing that out to you, I think. Um, it's not very often that I go into a school and I see an instructor say, okay, guys, today we're going to be going over the problem of this and the problem of that, and here's the solution to this, and here's the solution to that. They just say, okay, we're being held down on the mount. Okay, uh, here's how we defend it, or here's how we escape. And it's it's very briefly brushed over. And the reason why I'm building this into your mindset now is because this really never stops. And I think the earlier you can adopt this idea and um, kind of keep it in the forefront of your idea, the faster your jiu-jitsu grows. 
And uh, so that's that's kind of why I'm, I'm I'm very big on this problem solving. So, and like I said, it's important to continuously solve problems because it it doesn't end. It continues even into your uh, jujitsu uh, career, even if you're an upper belt or um, go, going forward. So it's not just about then solving common problems that happen to you, especially like when you're newer, you're a white belt or a blue belt, you know, you're solving these most common things. Then it turns into more in-depth problems, right? The problems become harder. They become less obvious, right? So in the beginning, your instructor is pointing them out and they're very obvious. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Or, oh yeah, I should probably know how to deal with that. Oh yeah, I should know how to do with this. But then it becomes more minute. It becomes more detail-oriented. It's like, man, how come I can't escape them out now when the guy is uh, imposing this level of control or doing this level of a pin or doing this type of takedown. Why can I not defend it? So the problems don't become as obvious. And so the sooner that you can switch to adopting and you identifying the problems and getting good at that, the faster you can start to identify and solve more complex problems, which is going to be where your growth kind of hinders. Um, I think that's where people hit a wall or hit a flat line is because they are not good at solving problems. They have to kind of randomly guess what the problem is. And then they randomly pick solutions, not knowing if it's right or wrong. And then that's what takes so long. Sometimes you guess right. Sometimes you get lucky and you get it right. But a lot of times they don't. And I think that's why it takes eight to 10 years to become a black belt because you're randomly guessing and you're randomly identifying problems and you have no real priorities to put toward. Now, that brings me to my next point, talking about priorities. So often when I hear students like don't know what to train or they don't know what to focus on or they don't have a plan, what that screams to me is lack of priorities. And I'm not trying to insult anybody, but priorities just mean like number one, number two, number three, number four. It's like a ranking. You just you're not sure which area to focus on first. You don't have a priority. And you know, some people are going to say, well, I don't like that because, you know, that's just not going with the flow. I want to take what's ever given to me and I just want to be on my own journey and do my own thing. And I, I hear what you guys are saying, but at some point you're going to hit some wall and it's not going to be that sunshine and rainbowy. OK, so I'm trying to introduce you guys to these ideas now to help you. I promise it will happen. If you don't believe me, just be in jiu-jitsu long enough and it will or ask somebody who's an upper belt and they'll tell you it. So you guys can say that all you want, but you're going to need this stuff eventually. So you'll need to eventually gain a priority, right? And often students are never taught the priority. And I don't like using belts as a metric. I think I've talked about that before on other podcasts. Like, I don't like saying that because I'm a blue belt, my priority should be X thing. Or because I'm a purple belt, my priority should be an X thing. I think you can kind of give general recommendations just like as a common idea. But whenever we're talking about techniques to focus on or skills to acquire or knowledge to learn on a deeper level, that is very individualistic. I think it enables people whenever we say, here is the blue belt stripe one curriculum or here is the purple belt stripe three curriculum. It is basically enabling you to not identify what you need to know and what is going on in your jujitsu a lot more. You guys have to think about it. You're like a director that's behind a camera lens. Okay. So you're the one that is in charge of looking through that camera and making all of the adjustments to the movie. 
No one, no one is going to spend more time behind your own camera than you. No one is looking through your eyeballs and taking in the information as much as you are. So you relying on somebody else always is going to enable you from your growth and development, in my personal opinion, right? And so I think coaches play a very valid role because they are the support system. They are a person that you can troubleshoot off of. So if you are behind your camera and you're noticing all these problems and then you can go to your coach and they can help you solve that problem, that's an amazing asset, right? So that's a much different viewpoint of how to use a coach versus just waiting for them to tell you what to do or them determining everything for you, right? So those are two different mindsets that you need to be working through this. And so I encourage students to develop the skill of identifying their problems and prioritizing their problems earlier in their career than much later because it will pay off, especially in the long run. And it will help you overcome those hurdles and uh, gain that security and be able to uh, have more trust and confidence and assurance in what you're doing is actually going to pay off. And you'll see it actually pay off as well, too, a lot faster, in my opinion, right? Through the hundreds of people that I've taught this stuff for. So that is kind of the reason why problems are important um, and why it's important to continue to solve them and really what it means when it says like if we don't have a plan or we don't have a focus, that's okay. That just means that you lack priorities. So if you're ever telling yourself that, it's a very simple solution. You just need to gain those priorities, right? And so now let's get into the different types of problems, right? So I really like to categorize our problems very simply in two ways. We have high impact problems and then we have low impact problems, okay? I think that's the easiest way to identify this. And this is why I also don't like belts because this, 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 I think is a better metric than belts. Um, high impact problems, essentially what those mean is that they're going to make a, a high impact. They're going to make an immediate game changing impact. They're going to be something that, man, if you could get solved, if you could get that problem solved, game over, I've improved it. It's fantastic. Low impact problems are definitely still problems, but they're just not going to make an immediate impact. And this is on a definitely a scale version. So if you are a white belt, your high impact problems are not going to be the same as a purple belt, right? And if you are a three stripe blue belt at one school and a four stripe blue belt at another school, the things that may make a high impact on you are going to be much different than somebody else. So that's why I don't like the idea of just saying all blue belts should learn X thing or all purple belts should learn X thing because it's not encouraging them to identify what is best for them. It's not very personalized. And um, I think the more personalized it is, the actually faster students grow, in my opinion. But once again, you're the only one that's behind the director's lens. So you have to take on that ownership or responsibility to be able to do this, right? So going through that, you have your two problems, high impact, low impact. And then the other thing that we have to understand is that you're going to have a what I call a friction scale. So a friction scale is essentially you have two categories. You have high friction and then you have low friction. Okay, so high friction is what it sounds like. It means that it's very hard to do. Low friction means that it's easy to do, right? Means it doesn't, it's not hard to, to be able to go across in training. If you are a jiu-jitsu student that feels like you're lacking clarity and direction and you want to go from feeling unsure if you're on this right path to really building a personalized strategy so that way you can feel more secure and confident in your training decisions that way you're creating this assurance that you will be able to accomplish both your short and long-term goals in jiu-jitsu and just really be the most that you can be 
you would probably be a great candidate to work with me in my jiu-jitsu acceleration program. It's invite only. You have to be accepted into it. Um, anyone can join from white belts all the way to black belts. I have all different belt ranges that are in it. And if you guys are interested in that and you're wanting that personalized strategy and you're wanting that direction, then make sure you head over to my website at www.chasonhill.com and we can get you guys enrolled and moving forward. So you have a friction scale, right? So we have a high impact scale, we have a low impact scale, and then we have a high friction scale and a low friction scale, right? So you have those two kind of conjoinments there. So what I like to do is something that I call a decision matrix. Um, I'm not the one that created this. Uh, it's called the Eisenhower decision matrix. So if you guys ever want to Google it or look it up, you could definitely use it, but it you can apply it to a lot of different things in your life. I've just kind of now applied it to jiu-jitsu because I've kind of, I'm a nerd about jiu-jitsu and I like helping students get better faster. So what I have done is on this uh, matrix, what you'll do is you'll draw a box essentially. So you draw a square and you'll draw a horizontal line and a vertical line. So that means down the middle of each way. That means you'll have four quadrants, right? You'll have quadrant in the uh, upper left, upper right, bottom left, and bottom and and uh, bottom right, right? So you have the, your four quadrants. Essentially, what you'll have is in quadrant one, basically in your top left area, that is what we're going to call a high impact and low friction quadrant. Number two, on the right-hand side, the upper right, is going to be a high friction and high impact. Bottom left is going to be low impact, low friction, and then uh, bottom right is going to be uh, low impact and high friction, right? So you guys can even write that out there going forward. But whenever you're thinking about your priorities and you're thinking about, man, should I be doing guard passing? Should I be doing... Um, uh, you know, takedown, should I be doing uh, submissions or, or escapes? If you can categorize them into an area, then that's going to make the, the priorities a lot easier, right? So let's say I'm a blue belt and I have like um, a triangle choke and I have um, an elbow escape from the mount. Let's say I have guard retention and then I have something like, I don't know, like a arm lock from the side mount or something, right? So I've got these list of things that I'm like, man, I really want to work on. So you would then assign them to an appropriate category. So if you feel like that your um, elbow escape from the mount, if you are experiencing being in the bottom of the mount pretty frequently, and that's a common problem that you're noticing is very often, then you would want to put that in an impact category. Is it going to make a high impact or a low impact if you solved it right away? And then you're going to assign the friction level. So is that going to be easy to train or hard to train? Now, let me talk about the easy and hard part. So what I mean by easy to train is I mean realistic and doable in training. Basically, can you put yourself in the bottom of the mount position and train that against most people in the gym? And I would say that in general, that would be most bottom positions or inferior bad positions, if you want to call it that. That is going to be very low friction, means it's easy to train. I don't mean it's easy to get good at. I don't want you to uh, miscommunicate that. I mean, it's easy to actually do in training. And so I would say that an elbow escape from the mount is easy to do in training because it's very easy to allow people to mount you and ask people to start there. And then you can train it and it's probably going to make a high impact, especially if you notice 
that that's a common problem and an often problem that you're experiencing. So you'd want to put that in that quadrant, right? If something is a high impact and high friction, that means it would make a big impact most likely, but it's very hard to do in training. So an example of that would be like if I'm a blue belt and I really wanted to get good at like rear naked chokes or cross chokes or or something like that. And I'm training with people who are mainly like, you know, higher skilled than me. And I rarely ever get to those positions. Then that's going to be in that quadrant. So you're going to, you're going to basically say like, man, yeah, if I could get to people's back and rear naked choke them, man, that would make a giant impact, but that's going to be very high friction to train. That's going to be very hard to be able to do. And you're like, ah, okay. All right. I'll put that there. And so you put that in that category. And then the next one, the bottom left of the uh, low impact and low friction is going to be basically something like that, you know, you could probably do, um, it's not going to make a giant impact and it's pretty easy. So for example, if I take the same two of the elbow escape from the mount and I'm a brown belt, well, you could say, well, like I escape most people from the mount position, like my mount escape is pretty good. I've already refined it to a pretty high level, but you know, and, but still pretty easy to do. It's just going to make a very low impact on my overall game of jujitsu, right? It's not really game changing. If I get better at the elbow escape from the mount, is it going to help? Absolutely. Is it a problem? Absolutely. But it's just low impact, right? And low friction. So it's fine. Sometimes those are, those moves are good to do, especially if you're, um, having a low energy day or you're having some kind of a style like that. And you want to train those types of techniques that's needed. And then the last one is the low impact and high friction. This is basically like, um, if I'm a white belt and I've been training for a couple of months, I'm trying flying triangles and everybody in the gym. I know that's an extreme, but it's going to very, make a very low impact and it's very high friction. It's very hard to do. So you can kind of list out your techniques in that way and you can start to categorize them and the areas that I recommend that students pay the biggest attention to right is going to be number one is obviously the high impact and low friction what that's going to do is that's going to give you immediate game-changing impacts that do not require a mass amount of change and that are that hard to do and that if you guys can can really identify the problems that fit into that category you will absolutely skyrocket your jujitsu but like I, without a doubt you will skyrocket it you, you will see the more improvement than ever but you have to kind of spend some time figuring that out now i'll give you guys kind of a hint if you are, and this is where the belt or the time that you've been training does come in handy because I can make general recommendations based upon this. If you are a white belt or a newer blue belt or mid blue belt, I would recommend what you do is focus on what I call big picture problems. So these are going to be things that you're most commonly experiencing that are happening to you basically involuntarily. So what I mean by involuntarily is that you don't have a choice. So if someone is just better than you and they can take you down, they can hold you down in side control and they can mount you and then take your back and you have no uh, ability to stop it, like it's going to happen, which is what one of the coolest things about jujitsu is, is that's an actual skill. Then anything that happens to you like that on a repetitive basis is, is something that's big picture, or maybe you're always getting caught in a specific submission, or maybe you're always getting caught in a specific hold or lock or hitting get hit with a takedown from one of your most common training partners right 
So that is big picture. These are things that are happening to you repeatedly over and over again, and it's pattern recognition. And if you can identify that, then that's amazing, right? That's that's a big picture. Um, more uh, not as big picture is going to be basically if you're like a mid blue belt, maybe purple belt or up, this might be for you. It's going to be more minute. It's basically going to be like, well, okay, I can hit these moves, but when I'm trying to develop my arm lock or I'm trying to get good at this level of guard passing, on some people it works and some people it doesn't. So now you're trying to identify what is actually wrong with the technique or how to counter the problem that this person is imposing against your technique. So you guys can see that that's a lot more of a minute problem. I think students where they make the fundamental error is in the fundamentals class, they go from solving big problems to minute problems much too quickly. And because they're they're able to make some techniques work, they are just trying to escape or they're trying to solve their uh they're they're trying to focus basically on the minute problems way too early and they think that it's a technique problem when it's not really a technique problem it's an execution problem and so you're not executing the technique correctly which is still a big picture problem because it's not like the reason why your technique isn't working is because they are countering it it's because your poor execution of the technique is not working and so that is the biggest difference between big picture problems and technical problems is, is it an actual, like you not executing appropriately, or is it like that they're actually putting up uh, a good defense and they're countering appropriately? So an example of this would be if you're escaping, let's stick with the uh, mount escape, for example, if I'm escaping the bottom of mount position, right? And I'm trying to decide, is this a big picture or a... Um, an execution issue or technical issue is, are you actually executing all the steps correctly that you have been taught? Are you able to turn on your side? Are you able to frame? Are you framing correctly? Are you driving your leg underneath their leg instead of on top of their leg? Like, are you doing everything you can to execute the move appropriately? And then if you are, then you need to go to, okay, well then how are they countering it? And that is a big that's a big mindset shift because if you can identify how they're countering it, which everyone is different, right? So you might have one blue belt who counters it one way and one purple belt who counters it another way. But the better that you get at seeing those things and identifying, is it a me issue or an execution issue or a uh, them issue? Basically, they're actually defending appropriately. And then how are they defending is a big deal. Because that's how you guys then can go back to your quadrants and prioritize which needs to be done first, right? And so that will um, kind of evolve over your jujitsu career. So going back to our prioritization, typically if you're a blue belt or less or a mid blue belt or less, big picture problems are usually going to be your higher impact problems and they're usually much lower friction to be able to train. Basically... Um, the big, the big things like, you know, just saying, uh, escaping the mount, escaping side control, getting a takedown, holding somebody down, guard passing. Um, these are very big picture problems. They're very big things. As you start to get more skilled, it becomes, I think, more technical and you should be able to say, okay, I understand the big picture that I'm in the bottom of the mount, but now I need to identify why my mount escape actually is sucking. And so that's where you get into the next layer of it, right? 
So that is kind of a way that you guys can start to intelligently solve your problems and start to intelligently identify your problems. So usually what also ends up happening is students will will solve their problems or identify their problems um, more passively versus actively, I think. So like I said, because you are introduced to all the problems and you're kind of uh, taught the problem and the solution, you you kind of are relying on that. And then no one ever transfers that power to you or ownership to you or tells you now it's your responsibility to identify that so you're not even looking for them. So if anything of this podcast, if it helps you guys now start to actively identify your problems, then I did my job and I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, and if I planted the seed, great. If you're having no problems right now, that's absolutely amazing. If you're able to train effectively and you're able to, you feel like what you're doing is working, fantastic. But sometimes getting just a little bit clearer direction and a little bit more guidance, I think is is very beneficial and helpful for students. So that's going to be it for this podcast. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it and uh, we'll wrap it up here and I'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you guys again for supporting the podcast. In case you guys didn't know, I'm really trying to work on growing my social media presence, either on Instagram and on Twitter. So make sure you guys give me a follow over there of at Jason Hill is both handles. It's also in the show description. It's a quick way to link over. This is the best way to also ask me about questions or topics you would like future podcasts on. Also, if you haven't already, make sure you check out the YouTube channel. It has a lot of these topics just in video format. It's just another medium for you guys to check it out. And so that is a good way to also get some jujitsu help. So thank you guys again, and I'll see you guys later.